This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine, and as promised, I'm coming to you today live from George M. Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, Florida. Spring training is in full swing, and based on the excitement we saw here when Garrett Cole made his debut on Monday night, to say nothing of the response when one fan showed up wearing a Jose Altuve jersey, people are clearly fired up about everything that's coming in the months ahead. Of course, it's not officially a new baseball season yet, so it seems like the Yankees are still having some 2019 luck. I'm referring, of course, to early injury concerns with Aaron Judge, James Paxton, Giancarlo Stanton, and Luis Severino. But look, Judge should be ready for spring training games sometime next week. Paxton's making good progress that could see him back on a big league mound in May. As for Stanton, manager Aaron Boone has said that Giancarlo will be up against it in terms of being ready for opening day, which is, you know, about four weeks from now. But the toughest news this week for sure was that Severino is out for the season after undergoing Tommy John surgery. I gotta say, having watched the excitement with which he competed last postseason, um, my heart just breaks for the guy. I, I know I speak for a lot of people when I say that. So even with a bit of gloom hanging over Steinbrenner Field, today I'm going to bring you down into the clubhouse for chats with Tyler Wade, whose versatility and strong finish to 2019 will likely have him going north with the team when camp breaks, and also a quick conversation with Jordan Montgomery, who's battling for a rotation spot and looked mighty sharp in his spring debut following a season in which he made just two appearances while recovering from Tommy John surgery. Finally, we're going to spend some time with Yes Network's Meredith Morakovitz, talking about her life following the team and the exciting projects that she's working on this spring. Here's the thing, I have to apologize for some tough audio there as the microphone kind of failed to do its number one job, but trust me, stick with it. It's a fun, funny, and I really mean this at times even touching conversation about Meredith's career and life on the road, and I think that you can learn a lot from it. So before we get to those conversations, I'm excited to get to break some news here on the Yankees Magazine podcast. I am so thrilled to be able to reveal that on Tuesday, March 3rd, we're going to be launching the second series in our Yankees Magazine podcast network. I've been working on this so much over the last few months, I can't wait to bring it to you. It's called Deep to Left with Bucky Dent, and it's going to come out every other Tuesday, featuring conversations with the man responsible for one of the most dramatic home runs in Yankees history. You can expect some of Bucky's Yankees friends to drop by to share stories about their years with the team, as well as some current events. And look, we just can't wait to get started with some of the big ideas we have for this. So that's Deep to Left with Bucky Dent coming out March 3rd, yankees.com slash podcast. You can go and subscribe. You can learn more about it. This is just the first of some exciting new additions you'll be seeing on the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network in 2020. So head to yankees.com slash podcast or anywhere you get your podcasts, and we can't wait for you to get to hear this on March 3rd. That's the news from here in Tampa. Let's head down to the clubhouse now to hear from Tyler Wade and Jordan Montgomery. Thanks so much. And so right now I'm excited the fact that uh, 
I, I feel like all my swing changes, um, defensively, I feel like I'm one of the best out there. Um, but offensively, I feel like I'm becoming Tyler Wade again, and it's it's very exciting. And um, I think a lot of people saw who I really am the last couple months of the season. How gratifying is it for you to finish the season the way you were able to and to go into the winter that way? I, I needed that um, just from the fact that, you know, um, the first couple months in the big leagues, I started off slow, um, and then I went down to AAA, and I really took advantage. Manager, like, hey, I'm going to get better here. And because when my number's called, I'm, I'm going to need to step up. And obviously, when talk went down last year, I was I was playing every day. And uh, just having that confidence going into the offseason, and, and it's it's a good feeling. Like you said, it's gratifying to feel like all the work I was putting in starting to kind of pay off a little bit. And so the just the, the you got to stick to the process. So I'm, I feel, I'm feeling good right now. What was your offseason routine this year? I didn't stop. Um, I talked to DJ LeMahieu. Um, I remember we were in center field. We might have been playing, might have been Toronto. And I said, hey, man, like, what are you doing in the offseason hitting-wise? And, like, what has changed for you? And he goes, honestly, man, the best advice I could probably give you is just don't stop. If you have a good feeling, don't stop. And so I went home. I literally took four or five days off hitting-wise, and I got right back into it. So um, that was the biggest thing for me is just kind of keeping that feeling. And I really wanted to keep that, the good feeling of where I was going into spring because I know how important this year is going to be. Obviously, the big news coming out of this offseason is Gary. But when you look around this room, you know, a lot of the young players who are progressing are guys who really came up together. I mean, you've been playing with Aaron Judge forever. You've been playing with a lot of these guys forever. How much benefit do you get from the comfort of the guys around you? It's funny you asked that. I was telling this to somebody yesterday. It's kind of crazy to, like, look around this locker room, meet him in the infield. It's basically it's a Charleston River Dog team at one point. It was it's me, Miggy, Judgey, Severino, um, Gary. So it's uh, Higgy. Um, trying to think. The list goes on. But uh, it's, it's so awesome man just the, the the level of comfortability coming around just going to the ballpark every day you got your boys and your brothers with you so there's really no better feeling it was such a big story last year to watch you know cc saying goodbye the way he did how much does it mean for this team to have brett back to keep that veteran man i don't think there's a a word or there's um an expression to to tell you how much guardy means of this clubhouse and this team he really is the heart and soul especially with cc gone he's really going to have a voice in this team and i know a lot of guys look up to him such as myself and uh Look for look for him for advice or just whatever it may be. So uh, when I, that was one of my one of the signs this offseason where I was very excited about. You do have some changes here with the coaching staff, but you know Aaron's entering year three here. You know you've you've been around for you know kind of his whole time here basically. How have you seen him develop the skills of man, as a manager? Yeah, I just think he's he's kind of he, I think he's the best in the game, man. I was I was telling George the other day is um, I love going to war to that with that guy every single day. I just feel like he, obviously he's been a player. He's He's been in big games. He's hit big homers in big games, and he understands what it takes and what the mindset it takes, and he's got the players' backs, man. And at the end of the day, I think that's all you want as a player is a guy that's got your back, and he's going to have a good time. But at the end of the day, he's he's down down and dirty and ready to get after it. Right now, obviously, like we say, you know, all the interest has been kind of you – know, or a lot of the interest has been with Garrett. Who's a guy that's really impressed you? That, I mean, a guy you know, a guy that you just see like, man, this guy showed up looking a little different. Mm. <laughs> It's a good question. Put me on the spot like that. But uh, I don't know, man. I just feel like, like I said earlier, I think a lot of these guys that even the young guys going into the offseason understood how big the year 2020 was and how many opportunities guys are going to get, especially from last year. You just never know what's going to happen. So I think everyone came into camp this year just ready to go and uh, in good shape and just ready to hit the ground running. You mentioned last year. Obviously, this the whole thing last year was next man up, and you guys thrived with that. Obviously, you don't want to thrive with the next man up. You you don't want injuries to be a part of the season. But to be around the team to know 
know, yeah, it's cool to see Miggy back up, but you also saw what Gio could do last year. You know, yeah, you, you showed what you could do last year. How much do you think the team gained by the fact that you needed to rely on the depth as much as you did last year? I just think it goes to show the type of players we have. Um, you basically have a starting nine as your backups that for any other team, and that just goes to show how talented we are and the work that we put in, and obviously our, our front office putting together these guys. But, um, I mean, there's not a guy in this room that you can throw on the field right now and you're not going to trust. It's just so um, you never want that to happen ever. But um, I just feel like the comfortability thing is like, hey, if guys go down, like the next guy's going to step up, you know. So I just think the level of comfortability is, it's especially if coming from last year, it's been good. Honestly, for you, obviously, it's not even March yet. You know, you have, a, you have a while until you're in Baltimore for opening day there. You know, what are you expecting to do? What are you looking forward to over these next four weeks here? to get yourself ready for that moment in Baltimore? Just get ready. You kind of just said it, man, just to make sure that when – what's the what's opening day? The 24th? 27th or 28th. Whatever the 27th or 28th is, that we're ready to go, man. Like, we're ready. We're, we're going to be the baddest dudes on that field, and we're going to play that way and uh, just win every single game. So we're here with Jordan Montgomery right now. Jordan coming off, you know, getting back on the mound for the first time in the spring. You go through these few months away from it. What's it like when you're – actually on the mound again it's it's fun um facing another team that you're doing a sim game here um so there's a little extra excitement you gotta kind of hone in and uh stay under control your 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 first time out you know your first time going and it's a night game is that a little you know you want to get this out of the way five hours earlier maybe than uh, you got to yeah i mean a night game behind cole so uh I definitely knew there was going to be a lot of people, but uh, I was excited. Um, would have been nice to get it over with early in the day to where I'm not just not dragged out, but whenever I can get out there, I'll get out there. You go through so much of the rehab process dealing with just, I mean, you know, it goes without saying absolute pros in terms of knowing every bit of this, but obviously until you're letting it rip, there's always that wonder, you know, what changed maybe. How confident were you going into yesterday that you knew what you had? Pretty confident. Um, arm's been good. Ball's been kind of flying out of my hand, so... Um, I'm excited about where I'm at right now. One of the big advantages that this team is going to see from signing a guy like Eric Cole isn't just in the day he starts, obviously. I mean, it kind of makes the entire pitching staff better, both during the regular season, obviously during the postseason, too. Every minute that you get to kind of get ready to go into battle with this guy, kind of how excited are you about what he's bringing to the team? Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a lot bringing to the team. Um, trying to just kind of observe him, pick his brain as much as I can, be a sponge, and uh, learn his routine, what what he's thinking, kind of uh, how aggressive is he, how how aggressive is he in certain counts, so and so, and uh, yeah, he's a, a good guy to have. What's impressed you the most so far? Probably his routine, his, how prepared he is. He really studies the guys, and he's definitely going out there with a plan. So, even though you know that is obviously the big story of this off season, you've been around this team long enough to, I mean, you know these faces pretty well. There hasn't been that much turnover in this clubhouse, but one big change this year is going to be not having Cece here. How big is it for you know the other? veterans on the pitching staff to kind of pick up some of the roles that he was able to do not just on the mound but off uh we got plenty of veteran guys in here we got guardy we got our entire pitching staff is fast we got hap and cole and paxton and masa and we just got a, a lot of professionals that are 
going to work hard and do what we got to do. So I know it wasn't exactly a vacation for you these last few months, but what was the most fun non-baseball thing you got to do with your months away from the Bronx? <sighs> I didn't really do much this offseason. season. just work to get ready. Played with my dog a lot. Uh, had a couple weddings I went to that were fun. But other than that, really just kind of hung out in Charleston. We're still a few weeks away, obviously, from you know opening up in Baltimore right now. When you look at what you want out of these next four weeks, what's on your mind for what you want to other than the obvious progression a pitcher has to make, you know, what are you looking to develop over these four weeks? Just keep getting better. Coming out of each start, kind of uh, more comfortable and uh, more confident. Really, I just build confidence right now in my fastball and do whatever I got to do to get ready for big leagues and big league season, win games. The Yankees Magazine podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Hi, this is Aaron Boone. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. With me right now, we have TV's Meredith Morakovitz. Wow, it sounds so fancy when you say TV's Meredith Morakovitz. I think there's a theory that you could put TV's in front of anything and just make it better. <sighs> yeah, well, Yes Network's Meredith Morakovitz, yes. if we're being specific. John J. Filippelli would be very upset at me if I did not mention the fact that I am a proud member of the Yes Network. We are with the Yes Network's Meredith Morakovitz, not just, she does not belong to TV, ladies and gentlemen. No. <laughs> Anyhow, so thank you for uh, coming on here right now, and obviously... You've got your own stuff going on. You have your YouTube extravaganza that's happening in addition to all of your regular spring training duties. Extravaganza makes it sound so large when in reality we tape it in my kitchen with an iPhone. So it uh, isn't exactly a high level production. There are no small YouTube stars. (laughs) You have to dream big. I know, right? It has been fun, though. You are being featured on an episode. A little cross-promotion here. I like this. This This is working. This is how we work. Synergy. Let's let's just go right to the beginning. How has uh, spring been for you so far? Spring has been great. Weather, for the most part, has been wonderful. But I think people, more so than wondering about the weather, wondering about the New York Yankees and the 2020 season, uh, biggest storyline, obviously, Garrett Cole. Coming in, the most sought-after pitcher in free agency, the Yankees, managed to sign him. He's a guy that has wanted to be a Yankee his whole career, and he has been impressive so far. And that's not just results on the field, because you're not really looking at that during spring training, despite the fact that his first time out there, he's throwing 98, and he's upset because he misses a little bit off the plate with one pitch that he thinks maybe he should have thrown a little bit differently. But you can just tell that he is a perfectionist, that he loves his craft, and he'll do everything he can to try to make sure that he is as prepared as possible every fifth day. Now, while that was the main headline coming into camp, as we no. Terrible news with Luis Severino. Not something that anybody really expected coming into the season. And it was really going to be a redemption season for him. He missed a lot of it last year due to that injury. He wanted to prove that he could be a big part of the staff. And unfortunately, as we know, news broke about two days ago that he's going to need Tommy John surgery and he is going to be out for the remainder of the 2020 season. And that's just a huge blow to that Yankees rotation. It's a huge blow to the Yankees rotation. You you see every day the way yeah. these guys work. You see the He works, like, yeah. And I mean, you know, everyone wants to say what they want to say. And, and you know what? I, I think I also take it a little personally because I go back to, you know, I spent a lot of time with Greg Bird where 
Bert opened up to me about like emotional and mental the stuff. The mental aspect of it is something that most people can't fully comprehend unless they've been through a traumatic injury of their own. That's the only way you really get a feel for this stuff. And then if you add on that layer that your professional livelihood and essentially your income depends on whether or not you can perform at a high level, that's a a tough pill to swallow, especially in the case of Greg Bird, where you believe you could be a successful player. You think you can contribute. You think you have the tools and your body continually keeps failing you. No athlete chooses to get an injury. Nobody wants to be sitting on the sidelines watching their friends and teammates play and perform, especially with a season like this. One of the most highly anticipated seasons the Yankees have had in quite some time with the addition of Garrett Cole. Luis Severino wants to be out there. Luis Severino doesn't want to undergo surgery. Luis Severino doesn't want a year plus of rehab. That is not fun. I was going to say, if you want to tell me a guy is soft because he gets hurt and walks away, all right, fine. But if you want to tell me a guy is soft because he gets hurt and decides to spend his entire year in Tampa, working out every day away from his friends away from all those people like that's not soft to me it's it's not fun and when you're dealing with an injury like that where you know there's no hope Mm -hmm. for the next what seven eight months essentially you are done for the season there is likely no scenario where you'd be able to make any type of an appearance it's it's a year essentially that you're gonna be out so it's more than that for a pitcher oh yeah for sure till they bring you along till you build yourself back up till you make sure the arm is okay and and that's just a mental mental torture, is and what that, I would. Call and that's it. the thing is, on the other hand, and, and not that I don't. I think if Luis Severino needs silver linings today, he's not looking to the Yankees magazine podcast to be the place to get him from. I hope you don't not. Think so? I, 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 I shoot him a text. Maybe it'll make him feel better. <laughs> but you know what? Like Garrett Cole, we talked about. He goes out there and, and you know he throws his first inning. Who follows him? Jordan Montgomery coming off his Tommy John surgery, yeah. and he's throwing ninety four, and he's looking really good. And look, I wouldn't want to be in Luis Severino's position right now, having to start this process that. Jordan Montgomery just finished, but you know, I know when you talk to pitchers who are going through it, they really look to the pitchers who have been through who it. Who have done it already, and they'll try to reassure you that you'll come back, it'll be okay, everything is eventually going to work out, even though it doesn't seem like it right now. But as you're going through it, it seems like your world is crashing in, I'm sure, and things are never going to be the same. And another thing people don't realize, and this isn't Luis Severino specific by any stretch of the imagination, just because you have surgery doesn't mean that you're going to meet the time frame that is typical. That's an average. Not everybody responds the same way. He could respond more favorable and get back sooner, or he can have some hiccups along the way. You don't know how anyone's body is going to heal. That's why when you see fans that get really upset with players, oh, well, they said it was going to be four weeks. It's five weeks. You don't know how people are going to heal. And as, as, somebody, as somebody that's had, let me think, 11 surgeries, surgeries, I think, now to date, man, you just never know. You have the best intentions going in. I'm going to be 100%. And then something happens and you're like, here you go again. Fans who watch you on the Yes Network, where you are. I hope so. Yes Network, I mean, that's what we're planning on. TV's American Rockets <laughs> of the Yes Network. So much of what you do for fans in those situations is you pass along the stuff that they're getting from the clubhouse. You pass along the stuff they're getting from the press conferences. Last year, you know, and notably so far a lot this year uh, in spring training, what you're passing on a lot of times is about this injury stuff. I, I'm just, how many credits specifically do you have toward your MD? Have you looked in to see how close you are? Well, I don't know if you knew this. I'm not a doctor, but I do play oh. one on TV. Interesting. Interesting. I thought, I thought you were on your way. 
in talking to people and covering the sport for quite some time, before this I covered basketball and I've covered a handful of sports aside from that, you kind of get a handle on uh, what to look for when it comes to injuries, how long things take to heal, what specific things are going on with individual players. And as somebody that has unfortunately suffered a lot of orthopedic and athletic injuries, I've had PRPs, I've had cortisone shots, I've had synvisc, I've had, I mean, I've had a lot of the stuff that these guys have had. So I can at least on a personal level speak to what that feels like in the initial stages. Now, I can never tell you what it feels like to go out in front of a stadium of 40 plus thousand people and have to perform after doing that. I leave that to the professionals. Hang on. After those walk-off wins, you are right down there in the trenches. <sighs> my agility has taken a hit over the past couple years. I don't have a spin <laughs> move like I used to, but I do my best. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I can speak to it to a certain degree, and I have actually great knowledge even prior to this because of my own personal issues uh, about a lot of this stuff, but it's crazy. I mean, 30 people last year on the injured list, the most in Major League Baseball, probably, I believe the most ever on an injured list, and, and it just seemed like one after the next, after the next, after the next, and you thought you turned the page on that season, you get to 2020, they're healthy, they're ready to go. Before spring even starts, James Paxton on the shelf to start the season. Now we get the news out of Luis Severino, and it's like, here we go again. But when you look at last year's team, the one thing you can say is, man, did they showcase some depth. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I actually asked this to Cashman in the end of your press conference last year. Because I was wondering what level of team building changed by what they saw last year. Like, do you have to build your team differently in the sense that they were bringing up, you know, guys from AAA yeah. every day who were major, like, they were not bringing up AAA players. They were bringing up major league players who they had been lucky enough to sign. How many do you need to sign? How many, you know, players do you need to stock your AAA system with, or your AAA program with as, to be ready? As many as possible, as many that'll have you. Uh, while you did have some people that had experience, you also had guys like Mike Ford who thought maybe they would never get a shot at the major league level comes up, produces. It seemed like every guy that came up produced. And I spoke to not only players, but people within the organization. And they always mention Aaron Boone and his attitude. Not going to let it bother us. We're going to get it done somehow. You're up. Now it's your turn. You know, it, it was just the message that came from the top, a certain level of comfort in that clubhouse. He made people believe they could do it. You know, I, I think one thing in my years of doing this that I've picked up on, I'm curious how you feel about this. There's a lot of times when you or I or other people might get hear a quote or anything like this and be like, you know, what kind of person says this? And I think what we don't sometimes give enough credence to is that superstar athletes, really successful athletes, people who are used to this kind of pressure, their brains work differently than ours. When you would hear Derek Jeter talking, he would say, oh no, it, doesn't, it didn't bother me. You know, I, I was in an 0 for 30 slump. And you're like, how could that not bother you? You're crazy. And it's like, no, actually, you know what? I think that they just, their brains work differently. This is not just physical strength these guys have that makes them good at this. It's because they have this sense of how to compartmentalize it and how to think the right way and talk the right way. It, it, it's, I, I'm always more amazed by that part. Almost, I've seen, you know, great physical feats enough times that, you know, most of them look pretty much the same. It's the things where, like what you're saying with Aaron Boone. It's a mental game. Yeah. It's, it's as much mental as it is physical at times. And yeah, you need a tremendous amount of talent, but if you're in the big leagues already, you have talent. Totally. It's the additional stuff. It's the X factor that makes 
a player great. It's your focus. It's your wanting to be better than anyone else, not wanting to be outworked, having the mental capacity to really understand what this game is and understand that it is a long season. You cannot dwell on one thing. If you do, you're going to go down such a, a rabbit hole that you may never get yourself out of it. But that's the thing with baseball as opposed to any other sport. There are so many games you need to forget quickly. And Mariana Rivera would always say that you need to turn the page quickly, forget quickly onto the next. And, and, and I guess what I'm saying is I actually, for a long time, thought that was crazy that you can't do that. I think they actually can. I you think have the best to. Of them you can. have to because if you don't, you're just going to beat yourself yeah. up to the point where... You can't compete that way. No, you can't. So you mentioned it's a long season. Obviously, we are just getting started. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just getting started here. And there's liftoff. Let's um, do it. Yeah. Let's go back a few months, though. How much do you cherish your offseason? <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, we go 120 miles an hour for about hopefully eight months out of the year, right? With spring training and everything else. And, you know, you hope that at the end of the day, there's a parade. Maybe this year, not the past couple, but they're getting closer, right? I, I like the off season. And some people <laughs> like to relax in the off season. Busy has always been my preferable pace. So it's very hard for me to downshift. So instead of staying home, like many might do after a long season of travel, I kind of up the ante even more. At least I did this off season. I couldn't help myself. So where'd you go? I went, well, the season ended in Houston, unfortunately. Hopped on a plane 7 a.m. the next day, went to Austin for the night. Hopped on a plane the next day, went to New York for the night. Left the next day for an impromptu two-week trip to Europe. I started in Amsterdam, went to Paris, went to Scotland, to Manchester, back to Paris. Then I went to, I was hungry for pasta, so I went to Italy. As seems, one does. Seems rational, As right? one does. Seems incredibly rational. Came home. Then I was home for a couple days, had a host an event that I was really excited about for an organization called Nefcure. It's to raise money for rare kidney diseases, oftentimes affect children. I was the MC for that event. I thought it was like a 50-person event. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's like 750 people at Chelsea Piers. And I was like, oh, oh my, should have written something up for that. <laughs> uh, no, it was a really, really great event. And the guy who runs it, Michael Levine, his son uh, was battling, is still battling this disease, but he's in a really good place right now. He's one of those go-getters that is just like, you know what? We're taking the bull by the horns. We're raising some money. When they started Nefcure, I don't think there were any drugs in trial. Now there's about eight or nine drugs in trial in wow. the course of just a handful of years. So did that and went back to Tampa, interviewed Hal Steinbrenner. Have you heard of him? I think you know who he is, right? Kind of a big deal. Name rings a bell. Um, we always kick off our hot stove show with an interview with Hal and he has been so gracious to grant us that interview over the past couple of years. So I did that down here and then I left for Australia and New Zealand. A couple nights in Australia, 11 nights in New Zealand, came back a couple days winter meetings in San Diego for a couple days and it's Christmas and I blinked and here we are I'm talking to we're you not yet Christmas yet I'm talking story. to you right now right here we go you are, you are ready enough for, about me let's talk about you you're ready for three weeks in Baltimore I love it so you know obviously close close fans of the John Schwartz oeuvre if you will of my, my time at Yankees Magazine will obviously remember the story that uh, I did about you know your work with Joe Girardi on the Joe Girardi show I think that I might have mentioned that's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done uh, we spent a lot of time together in Dallas <laughs> at the star. Meanwhile, what people can't see right now is me just <laughs> handing him money. Like, okay, keep it going. Like, you're not to the point where it's not believable anymore, so if you could just like a little more buttering up. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll work on it for next time. Okay. Uh, thank you, though. appreciate it. Um, well, well, thank you. The, the most fun part of that story, obviously, and I don't mean this at all seriously, because it was very unfortunate, was 
immediately after it went to press, basically, uh, Joe Girardi and the Yankees parted ways. Should I be nervous that I'm on uh, That's what podcast? I'm asking you. Should we yeah, not be doing this? Because this is, like, not the first time that you've had a negative effect on perhaps somebody's career, and I don't want that for me. Do okay. you want that for me? You know what? I, I, say I, no. I, I, I don't. No. I don't. But I also, I kind of feel like whatever powers you have, you just need to like kind of let them breathe. <laughs> just let them out. Now I'm nervous. I'm just going to be walking on eggshells for the next week or two, just to make sure I'm in good standing everywhere. So, you know, okay, you're you're traveling. You're 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 about to start, I guess. You know, yeah. Not driving around the Graveyard League, but you know, you're about to start traveling city to city. I've done these team charters once, and it is to do it once, kind of a life changing experience. You know, if you're not familiar. You drive up in the bus to the runway, you know, you just get off the bus, put your bag under the wing, essentially, and then just walk onto the plane, pick out your business class seat, and enjoy the quick trip back to New York. I imagine that you start taking that for granted pretty quickly, don't you? I'd love to say that I don't, <laughs> but the reality of the situation is, once you're used to that type of travel, and... It's so hard to go back. Oh, it, it really is. Like, you're standing in line, and... Stand on a jet wheel, like a commoner. <laughs> I'm fortunate enough to have TSA free, so I get out of some of it, but without that, I, I would lose my mind, because I'm total northeast through and through. No patience, like, what are we doing here? Is this your first trip to the airport? Why do you have six belts on right now? You know it's going to beep when you go through the thing. Take it off. What are we doing? Uh, so you don't have, they, they do do security. It's not that they do security, but it's a different kind of security. So when you're going through a regular airport, it's Is different. Regular people have to deal with things all the time. It's different. I am fortunate. It does make the job easier because all the beat writers fly commercial, and that is no easy feat. Especially when you're leaving on Sunday night somewhere. If you have a night game there and you have a game on Monday, right? I mean, it's a quick, quick, quick turnaround. But I'll I'll bite my tongue and I'll say, okay, you know, it's it's all good. It's gonna be fine. But I'm like, why would you pack all that metal if you know you have to go through the metal detector? Yes, take your shoes off. They're steel tip boots. You, they're gonna go off. What are we doing? One of my favorite recurring Instagram series is Meredith racing to the airport, and I'm really uh, I'm looking forward to a big 2020. Yeah, <laughs> I think you have new well, to explore here. Part of the issue is so I live down here in Florida, and uh, I love New York. I don't want people to think I don't, but you know something about. 70 degree or above weather is super appealing when it's freezing back home. Uh, so I'm down here and I'm so spoiled by Tampa Airport. You can go from dropping off a car, taking their little tram, and then you get to the terminal, Never check break in. Never once break shine. I mean, yeah. under 10 minutes. Yeah. So I know this. So now I'm like tempting fate. So I'm like, oh, my flight leaves at 7. It's 30 minutes, no traffic to the airport. All right, 5.45 sounds good. Like, I, I tempt fate There's every never time. once been no traffic here, but maybe this time. I know, this is the time. And then if I'm driving, it's different because I already kind of spoke to my northeast roots where maybe I'm a little on the aggressive side. I, I'm not an uncautious driver. I just am not a passive driver, if that makes sense. And here, it's a very unique situation where people like to go under the speed limit in both the left and the right lane, which is such a treat. They're tricky. Very tricky. So that'll drive you a little crazy. So if I drive myself, I feel like I have a little bit better handle, but occasionally I'll take an Uber from my home. And it's always like driving Miss Daisy. And I'm like, hey, I have to get there. I'm running a little bit late. And they're like, oh, don't you worry. And I'm like, oh my God. Right lane, whole way. It turns yellow, slam on the brake, stopping. I'm like, what are we doing here? This is crazy. I had for a very long time in my life, uh, 
unbroken record of never having missed a flight, and I would be, be larger that was because I'm the person who gets to the airport like the day before. Stop. Um, <laughs> I could never travel with and you. People, people would say to me, they're like, how can you do that? And I would just say, like, have you ever missed a flight? And they'd say, yes. And they'd be like, well, I hear that's terrible. <laughs> like, I don't, but I, I, I did finally miss a flight, and it was terrible. So I <laughs> I stand by. You know, you know what my feeling about airports is? If you get there early, there's usually chairs. You know, I love my children, but they're not there screaming. It's just like, this is, this is, <laughs> it's like a little, like, nice little retreat for you. Maybe I'll just get there three, three, four hours early this time. No, I can't do it. Like, I, I oftentimes think that I'm on the amazing race, but I'm the only one playing. <laughs> not as well. That's kind of the way I live my life. That's it's great. just, I know it's not okay. I need to figure out a way to maybe be a little more zen, calm it down, but that's the way You're I You're a YouTube star. You don't have time for this stuff anymore. For those of you watching, if you'd like to subscribe to my channel, uh, Meredith Morakovitz YouTube, don't even know what the whatever is. I think, what do you, Google me? and then Just go to follow her on Twitter. Meredith Morakovitz YouTube, you'll find it. You know, just last thing for you, obviously, you know, we're joking around about how no one should follow your you know, route to the airport or anything like that. Who are actually your role models in the industry, though? Who are the people People who have really helped you well, at this stage. One woman that I work very closely with is obviously Susan Waldman, who does the radio for WFN. And she has been such a great source of information. And for those people who have never met Susan, haven't had the privilege, or for women in the business that don't understand what people like Susan Waldman or Claire Smith have been through, uh, first, shame on you, do a little more research. Secondly, a remarkable story. She lived an entire life as a Broadway performer prior to to going into sports. She was the first voice heard on WFAN, one of the most successful radio stations across the nation. And then she's kind of been in this baseball world for a lot of years. She was in the clubhouse and locker rooms when women were let in for the first time. She's received a lot of vitriol just because of her gender. She's had to endure a ton and she has paved the way for people like myself to have it maybe a little bit easier. And it's funny, I'll talk to Susan about it and she'll say, yeah, it feels like, you know, there has been progress, but not as much as there should have been in the amount of time. There's still issues. There are still things that women deal with in this industry. But uh, for somebody that I get to work closely with, it's an unbelievable resource to say, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, should this be happening? Hey, how would you handle this? And just knowing what she's been through, unbelievable source for information. Um, I actually met through Susan Leslie Visser, who was somebody that I looked up to as somebody that had, you know, been doing obviously uh, what I do more on the NFL side, but a- another woman who was trying to pave the way for for us in this business. Uh, when I was in Philadelphia, a woman by the name of Dee Lynham was doing the Sixers at the time. I spoke with her quite a bit. But when I was growing up, and it sounds like I'm like 97 years old, I'm not, there weren't a lot of ways to reach women in the business. You know, you had a phone book. You had to know somebody. Now with social media, it's so much easier to reach out to people, to ask for advice, to ask for, you know, anything. Where back in the day, even though, we'll say it was five years ago but we all know that's not the case like i graduated in 2005 i mean so much has changed technology wise since then that allows men or women anyone that wants to get into the business more access to people at a high level to pick their brains about how to get to that level uh which you just didn't have when we were growing up you were just cutting out half the population because they didn't know anybody 
in there. And, and anytime, anything that we could do, anything that, and I, I, I mean this for me, but also, I mean, just I'll speak for men in general. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, you know, it, it always is good to find out things that, you know, ways that we can help to change that and help to build disability and things like that, because it just, it changes things that you, you need to have role models. You need to have people you can look up to in the industry. Yeah. And I think it's getting better and, you know, everyone, I mean, I think a lot of people in this business do not necessarily know somebody at a high level and your work ethic will eventually shine through if you want it enough. You know, they say cream rises to the top, right? It's not easy. It's a lot of missing birthdays, weddings, anything you can imagine. And people have said to me over the years oh, you got lucky, right place, right time. And my response has always been, you put yourself in a position to get lucky. I had like four different jobs. This is the first time in my entire life that I've had, and I still don't have one job, but I've had one traditional-ish job. I was covering the Iron Pigs in Allentown, the Reading Phillies in Reading, working for a radio station in Philadelphia, all while doing side stuff for ESPN and Fox in Philadelphia. Like, yeah, I was blessed with some great opportunities. At the same time, people saw that I was hustling and I was down in the minors and they realized that that was valuable with people that were coming up. Role models are important, but I also think people just need to remember hard work. Yeah. Just bust it. You know, you, you got to just keep pushing. Don't let people tell you no, because all you need is one yes. One of the real big joys of my time with the Yankees has been, you know, getting to know Susan. I mean, the, the things that, when, when it's Claire, when it's Susan, when it's people that, you know, who just have been through parts of this world um, and things in this world that just will simply never happen to me. I can never have that experience, but I can, you know, obviously learn from it still. And it's pretty awesome to have Susan around as much as she is and to get to watch her work because she's pretty fascinating. Well, I think it also helps the you Bridge. Well, so, thank you. you I know, also paid him to say that. This is a very, very lucrative podcast. Oh my right God, now. are we here? I feel like this is... Um, the richest podcast in history. This is, this is like Jerry Maguire when Cuba Gooding Jr., is about right. to get the, about to get the contract, <laughs> and it's like coming over the fax machine. Like you told me, I wasn't. I told you I wasn't gonna cry. Well, let me if if you'll allow me now, please oh please do not laugh as I do this. Oh boy! <laughs> if you'd like to subscribe to Yankees magazine, <laughs> do you want me to do it for you? What, what do, you do you have my memory? If you'd like, don't, don't pretend you're gonna do it and then you get it wrong. Can you write it down quick? We don't have time for all that. Oh, yes, I can. Now, if you'll allow me, if you'd like to subscribe to Yankees magazine, please call eight hundred Go Yankees or visit yankees.com slash publications. You can pick up a copy anywhere around the stadium, GMS Field right now, or soon enough when we're back in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. Please read all of our long-form content on yankees.com slash magazine. And of course, as I mentioned, we're about to launch a new podcast next week, which we're super excited about. But, you know, if you just make sure to subscribe, like, rate, review this one, it'll really help you get all the stuff that we're going to be launching and have all the information about it. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to pass some stuff along to Meredith or any of our other guests today, podcast at yankees.com. I am out of things that I can pitch right now. Jesus, Meredith, do, you need, do, you, do you need oxygen <laughs> after that? My goodness. Uh, uh, John, uh, John, I, I thought that you said uh, if you'd like to subscribe, like, or uh, here's the pitch. No, okay. It's fantastic. I'm really happy it's happened. Um, anyhow, I really enjoyed doing this episode live from Tampa. Unfortunately, two weeks from now, the next episode will be back in New York, but you know, Every time we do one of these, we get a little bit closer to opening day, and that's pretty cool. So we will speak to you in two weeks. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Thanks, Meredith. You're welcome. See you. Hi, this is Adam Adovino. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash 
publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app.